Welcome to Pro Audio Profiles. I'm Brennan DeCora, and on this show, we focus on techniques for inspired studio performances. Each week, I host experts from across the industry. Let's get started. Today, we have Dennis Sands. He's a scoring engineer and mixer that has credits on all four Avengers movies, Forrest Gump, all three Back to the Future movies, Shawshank Redemption, the first two Spider-Man movies, and many, many more. Enjoy. Well, I want to thank you for being here, first and foremost. It's really, I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Really. Awesome, awesome. Um, I'd like to start out by kind of going over your backstory. If you want to share kind of how you got your start, what led you to this point, that kind of thing. And feel free to take some time on it if you want. You know. Okay, well, uh, you know, like anybody who's, you know, had any level of success in anything, uh, there's an element of luck. And I was, yeah. you know, honestly, very fortunate. <laughs> uh, I had a friend who, well, let me back up. I love recording. Mm-hmm. I my father gave me a tape recorder when I was ten, I think. Okay. And nice. I it was a woolen sack. I okay. remember even the name. <laughs> and I just mess with that. I love that thing. And mm-hmm. I just did tons of everything. Make my own programming and right. nice. you know, just everything. You know. Nice. Yeah. Being a kid, I didn't had no idea what the hell I was doing. <laughs> Nonetheless, I just loved it. That's what it's about. <laughs> and, <clears throat> however, I I, um, I studied, uh, you know, eventually in college. Uh, I was pre med, and I had the okay. I had visions of being a doctor. Mm-hmm. But once I sort of made my way through all the required courses, at the end of it, I realized. Not my, not my life. It's not yeah. for me. But the recording thing and music thing is mm. uh, was always very strong. And <clears throat> one day I got a call after I graduated mm-hmm. from a friend of my brother's who worked for uh, MGM Records at the time. Okay. And uh, a guy named Eric Miller, who's mm-hmm. uh, recently or not. You know, a few years ago, passed away, unfortunately, okay. but very, very good friends. And he said, well, listen, um, he said, the, you know, we have a recording studio. Mm-hmm. So MGM Records had a studio on, you know, Fairfax in L.A. Okay. And they actually had three studios, two mastering rooms, and a tape production room. Okay. And uh, he said... Well, they have a, you know, we have a huge tape library, hmm. and they need somebody to sort of help administer it, you know, right. log in the tapes and, you know, mm-hmm. basically a low-level starting job. Right, right. But it's in the studio. Yeah. And I might add at the time, it was always very, very challenging to get a job in a studio. Right. And I had tried. I had, right. I had applied to, I think, every... <laughs> <laughs> Every potential studio yep. <laughs> in LA, and there was probably several hundred at the time. Yeah. Actually, oh yeah, For varying sure. levels. You know, mm, now this is 1970, maybe okay. 71. Hmm. Um, and everybody said no, of course, right. but they were very kind. <laughs> you know, it was not. You know, it wasn't. Wasn't. Mm-hmm. Hey, kid, get the hell out of here! It right. was. 
okay, uh, you know, what's your background? Don't have any. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, <laughs> you know, I I left an application and I mm-hmm. went around again and called and, you know, didn't. Well, all of a sudden, here's this opportunity to actually get into a studio. Mm-hmm. And so he calls me and you know, 10 o'clock in the morning and right. I'm down at the studio by 11. <laughs> um, I was like, yes, I don't care. You know, I, right. I, I, I'll never forget. I made $125 a week. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I didn't care. Yeah. I mean, was it just administrative stuff or were you actually using the gear at all? The job initially mm-hmm. was, <clears throat> well, let me explain the tape, they had 70,000 tapes in their tape library. Jeez. It was located, obviously, off-site right. in a, a building in Hollywood, mm-hmm. on Hollywood Boulevard and Ivar, actually. Okay. And uh, the, the job entailed, uh, first of all, any new tapes that were generated. So mm-hmm. any work, any recording that was done in the studios themselves, mm-hmm. it had to be logged in and put on the shelves. Right. And, you know, document it. Mm-hmm. But also, as part of the normal routine for MGM Records at that time, they would re-release albums periodically. Right, right. So, MGM Musicals, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they had, the Osmonds were on their label at that time. So, there would be, you know, Osmond masters right. that would pull and they'd re-release mm-hmm. those things. Um they own Verve Records, okay. So their entire library, mm-hmm. uh, they'd pull records. You know, right. huge jazz label, hmm. um, Mother's Invention, Kama Sutra. They own that label as right. well. So, you know, just various, you know, labels, various albums right. or singles would be re-released periodically. Well, I had mm-hmm. to go go to, you know, to Hollywood, right. pull the tapes, <laughs> find them, pull yeah. the tapes bring them back. Hmm. So I was doing that. And, you know, there were great, wonderful engineers there. Right. Um, very classically trained mm-hmm. engineer. When I say classical, I'm not talking about classical music. I'm talking about engineers in studios that were, you know, record studios. Right. Where they had a lot of sort of great, you know, Training. They were mm. real, real engineers. Mm. They understood. Right. The ones that wore lab coats. <laughs> More or less, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but really great mixers. Right. And they really didn't want to do tape copies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. So, you know, but that was part of the thing because let's say they decide to release a, uh, you know, a jazz, one of the jazz albums. Mm. Well, I'd pull the master. They'd have to make a master tape copy of right. that to send, let's say, to Canada, right. where they would do their own mastering and pressing. Mm, of okay? course, of course. Or Japan or mm. Europe or whatever. Mm. Well, you know, the, these mixers who are, you know, phenomenal, they right. want to do a tape copy. Yeah. <laughs> I said, so I'm this kid. I said, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Teach me how to do You know, I didn't know how to. Okay. Right. Well. Here's how you align the machine. Here's the mm-hmm. you know tones, the thing. Bang! Right. I'm you know three months. Nice. Now I'm doing master tape copies. Okay. Um, mm. 
there there were also two mastering rooms there. Okay. They weren't they weren't the great 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 mastering mo- modern, yeah. but they were you know they were they still we still did a lot of mastering there. Mm-hmm. Same deal, you know. The guys right. just didn't right. want. To, I'll do it. <laughs> right. Teach me. Now six months after I started, now I'm learning how to do mastering. Okay. And in the meanwhile, when I wasn't doing where I'd finished all my work, mm-hmm. I'd finished doing whatever work I had to do, I'd hang out in the studios or nice. I'd ask the mixers, hey, right. how do you do, you know, show them. We go in the studio, how do you work this thing, this mm-hmm. console and right, machines right. and, you know, and where do you, mics? Yeah. constantly asking learn, questions, yeah. you know. Yeah. And they were very generous and gracious. Nice. And, and so they're teaching me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here in the U.S., it's, it's interesting. We don't have formal training for right. for engineering, you know, for for the technical mm-hmm. side of music. This is how you learn. Right. Uh, you know, in other, in other places, England, for example, there's, mm-hmm. they have more, more traditional training right. programs. Like we don't, we don't have that. Yeah. So at night, I'm, I'm uh, there in the studio, and, and mm-hmm. they would let me go into a studio that was open and take a tape, and nice. I'd, you know, like a 16-track tape. Right, right. And just mix, just mm-hmm. learn. And nice. so I did that. I basically lived at the studio yeah, of course. every once in a while I yep. went back to my apartment and showered and, That's how it works. which was yep. needed yep. And, so and, how did you get into the film side of things well you know the, so the the progress was i you know eventually uh left you know mgm mm-hmm. i'd met a, uh, my partner at the time um a guy named Angel Ballister, mm-hmm. who was an engineer at MGM. We okay. left, and we sort of formed this partnership, and we started doing a lot of work right. uh, independently. Right. Um, some rec- record work, but we started, uh, we ha- got a client uh, named Sid Marty Croft. And they, mm-hmm. Sid Marty Croft did, they did uh, the Donnie Marie show, which mm-hmm. were the Osmonds yeah. TV show. And they did cart morning Saturday morning cartoons. So okay. we started doing music for those. Right. Uh, but again, freelance. Mm-hmm. Um, and in I'm going to say 1976, I think it was, mm-hmm. we started to have this idea: gee, we should build our own studio <laughs> because. <Nice. laughs> Uh, we really actually had trouble getting, we had a, we had a fair amount of work actually, but we couldn't really get into quality studios. All the studio, the really good studios Mm -hmm. were booked. So Hmm. we have this, you know, idea, let's build our own studio. We actually did. We pulled it off. We got fine. And we built a studio called Group Four. We had four partners and, um, And we started out doing, again, doing records and a few, you know, mostly, it was mostly records. And we had the idea, why don't we do television and film work here? Hmm. And we 
found out what was entailed to do that. You know, right. part of it was, of course, getting you know, join, getting into the union. Right, right, and, and and we did it, and we were the first really modern hmm. recording facility nice. anywhere huh. to do television and film work. That's cool. You know, nice. all the film studios at the time mm-hmm. had very, very antiquated equipment. Right. It couldn't get like a modern drum sound, for mm-hmm. example, yeah. or modern, that right. whole thing, you know, mm-hmm. they couldn't do it because they yeah. just didn't have the equipment. Right. We had a, you know, modern console, a Trident A-series, mm-hmm. uh, nice. you know, Studer tape machine, you know, right. like, we just had a the modern gear. Right. And and also the ability, technically, you know, mm-hmm. the and and artistically to to right. create that to sound. Yeah. So we got very busy very quickly. Nice. Um, huh. So from seventy eight mm-hmm. to eighty one, uh, we were wailing. I mean, nice. I do two or three episodes of a TV show a day. Nice. And then right. a, a movie'd come in, and right. you know, I mean, it was just, just nonstop. It was it was nonstop. Huh. Awesome. Um, I mean, so that's sort like, of how it evolved. Seems like it's been nonstop since then, you know, till till now. I've, I've been really busy until <laughs> the strikes, the recent strikes. Right. Yeah, you know? of course. So, <laughs> Jeez, I've been, I've been, you know, and there, and honestly, there is a component of luck along the way you know like i said you know everybody needs some element of luck Mm -hmm. but you also have to have the courage right to when the opportunity when you're lucky enough to have the opportunity slide your way Mm -hmm. you have to have the courage to say yes to doing it right right i know a lot of people who haven't done that yeah (laughs) totally (laughs) so totally awesome so a lot of what I like to talk about on the podcast is kind of how to get great results from artists in the studio. And obviously the film world, world is a little bit different because a lot of time the composer is essentially the artist. Um, so how do, you, how do you kind of get started with a project with a new composer to kind of get their idea of the vision they're going for? First thing is you have to do a lot of homework. Mm-hmm. Um, you re- you know, I reach out to the composer, and I thank them for to start off. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for thinking of me. Right. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll, we'll talk about the we we'll talk about the project. What do they have in mind? Mm-hmm. This is before I formulate anything. Right. Uh, right. They might not even have a studio, so they might ask me, mm-hmm. "What studio do you think we should do this project in?" You right. know, I mean. Um, you know, at this point in my career, you know, people trust my opinion about, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm very familiar with facilities in LA, mm. pretty actually with facilities around the world now, right, really, right. to be honest. <laughs> um, but I'll talk with them say, well, what do you have in mind? What, what, just let's talk about the project. What's, right. what's the film like? Mm-hmm. Or the TV series. Right. What's it about? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you have in mind musically um, or orchestrally? Mm-hmm. 
you know, what just to get their sense of what what they want to do with their music. Right. And then we'll talk about, you know, what facility choices. Um, I'll ask for demos. Okay. And then I, of course, listen to everything. And then if I have any more questions, I'll talk to them. Right. And then we talk about what's the structure of, as I say, the orchestra or the musician complement. Mm -hmm. Um, they might ask for recommendations for, you know, musicians. If it's in L.A. or right. or London, I know most you know most everybody around. Yeah, so, of and then um, I start to put together the layout right. of how I'm, you know, how I want to record. Mm -hmm. Okay. And do you do um, like on the projects you work on? Are you doing everything? Are you doing just the recording, just the mixing? The whole thing? Is there a general consensus? Well, nowadays, so much of the recording is done outside of L.A. Right. Or outside of the U.S. Right. Um, Just all remote. Unfortunately, but it's yeah. the way it is. Right. Uh, a lot of reasons for that. Mm -hmm. Mostly political and some very, very bad business choices, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, on behalf of... You know, kind of the anyway. Yeah, don't need to get into that. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, <laughs> but good. anyway, uh, so I'm doing a lot of mixing. Okay. Um, nice. But I do have projects, uh, and the thing of the TV series that I do, um, those are still recorded in LA. Right. And that has to do with time frame. You know, okay. the the there just isn't time to do them remotely. Mm -hmm. And have input from, you know, the, the 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 producers, right, right, and and then you know mix it and then get right. it, do the dub it in the show, etc. Yeah. You know, there just isn't the time frame to <laughs> right. do that. That's, so deadlines are crazy with they those. are they're yeah. they're very very much compressed. <laughs> right, so, right. You know. Jeez. So you know, <laughs> but I'm grateful. You know, I love I love recording. Mm -hmm. um, Love mix, you know. I loved all of it, right? But right. Uh, so it it still gives me the opportunity to to um, do a lot of recording. Nice. So nice, yeah. Um, I'm sure this may not apply to you so much, but um, if your clients are struggling, kind of with methods and techniques of how to get things accomplished, but you're only hired like as an engineer role and not necessarily the producer or the person that makes the call. How do you kind of walk the line in helping them understand what they need while not stepping on the producer's toes? You know, how does that work in a sense? Well, if you mean, are you, you you're probably thinking more about a, the, a record scenario as opposed to. Yeah, I guess it could apply to like a composer too. Like if a composer doesn't understand, you know, a technique that, that you would know. You know, how would you kind of help them out in that sense? The the composers I've I've worked with are are very uh, um, comfortable. Not not every single one of them, yeah. but but for the most part, they're comfortable with who they are, mm -hmm. what they know, and what they don't know. Right. Especially if they're if they're new. You mm -hmm. know, recording score right. is a. You know, especially in a in a you know larger facility and mm -hmm. all that stuff, it's it's kind of new to them. So, 
uh, they'll ask questions. They'll, you know, they, which I appreciate, you know, yeah. they're, they'll lean on my, uh, um, experience. Right. Uh, well, look, why don't we do this? Or, you know, we have to do this amount of music or mm-hmm. should we split up? Should we have an A and a B band or, right. you know, these yeah. kinds of things. Right. And, you know, what's both logistically sound and also respectful of the business side. Right, right. So you don't want to have a large group and then, oh, well, we're going to spend half a day recording just, you know, a string quartet. Right. When we got, you know, 70 people sitting yeah, around. Exactly. So, exactly. You know, <laughs> you, you, you really don't want to do that. Right, right. Because the studios and the people just, you know, they don't want to, yeah. you know, they see, you know, the meter is running. Yes, so they, they, don't want to, they don't want to do that. So, Maximizing okay, it. well, look, let's, you know, let's do the, the you know, the A, you know, we'll do an A band mm-hmm. on this day. These are the cues we can record. Right, right. We'll go to a B band or even a C band at some hmm. point. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it works better for everybody. It works better. It's great for me because... I can have a specific setup for each of the bands, the right. complement, right. and reduce it down or, or increase mm-hmm. it as the case may be. Right. And it's also, as I say, respectful of the, of the financial side. Of course. Which the studios appreciate. Right, right. And it's important, you know, and it's, it's there's, there's never a good idea to be belligerent about the money (laughs) i actually had an experience once with a composer who who i actually literally saw him end his career in hollywood because he was disrespectful of the money wonderful writer right music was beautiful right right but he just didn't get it yeah and it was like (laughs) dude yeah (laughs) You know this is not going to end well. You should not. You have to respect, the, right. you know. Well, especially because a lot of scoring dates, you know, the, all the executives are in the room with you, you know. So it's like you have right. to respect that. And, for sure. and by the way, the, the studio is not the enemy. Yeah. You know, um, it's really important to never have the attitude that because they're paying for it or because they mm. – ask for a deal or what you know right they're not the enemy it's just business of course and yeah. you have to respect that i right. get it right you know i'm never insulted because somebody says well you know uh can you can you help us out on this thing mm. right i've found that the people that within the studio system are generally pretty honest most people are not right. looking to screw you out of a few dollars mm-hmm. exactly you know exactly. They, they have budgets and they have people to answer to of course and, you know everybody's got to answer to yeah. somebody and yeah. they okay for this project you know they settle <laughs> on a budget and yeah. they want to stick to it yeah. and so exactly. okay i get it <laughs> have to make I, it I, make I, it work <laughs> yeah and so it's nothing personal if they say mm-hmm. doesn't mean they think less of you of course of course yeah. nice I just want to take a quick break and tell you about my free guide, The Art Method, the Advanced Recording Toolkit. In it, I share the details of how you can get pro studio results from your home studio. 
I've believed for a long time that it's the cook and not the kitchen. If you can learn some of the advanced methods for getting great results in the studio, you can do it in any studio. I skip the basics and dive into the more nuanced info you need to level up the quality of your home studio recordings. Check it out now at brennandecora.com art. And now, back to the show. Can you uh, go into how your techniques have changed over the years? Oh, well... Listen, I started out with tape. Yeah. Just the transition <laughs> from tape to workstations is <laughs> that alone is a massive change yeah, in, in technique. Sure. But, you know, I still have, I have a, a, a pretty substantial microphone collection mm-hmm. uh, that I still use. Some are quite old. Right. Um, you know, original Neumann M50s, um, right. which are coveted and, yeah. you know, they're. Um, I'm you actually, know, they're, I'm actually curious. Like, I. When I started my career, it was kind of the end of tape. So I use tape quite a bit. I'm very familiar with it. But I never had the chance to do scoring sessions on tape because at that point it was already transitioned. I'm seeing how it's done now with Pro Tools. I can't even imagine how you guys did it with tape, you know, in the day. It's it's crazy. Well, it was always <laughs> challenging, you know, because you always had to consider. Mm-hmm. So you you run... You know, I I used to run, you know, for for orchestra, I'd run a 24-track. Right. And usually we're dual 24-tracks. Right, right. At 30 IPS. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you've got, you know, even with larger reels, you know, you have a very limited right. amount of time yes, per reel, exactly. right? <laughs> so you're always looking at the tape. Yeah. You always have to consider. And then if you have to change tape mm-hmm. or tapes in this case. Right. Because you're matching them, mm-hmm. well, that's time. So, yeah. so imagine now. Well, sorry, we got to we got to hold on because we got to <laughs> change tapes. It's in the right. you know, it's between you know the breaks. So between so you're actually right. eating studio time, mm-hmm. changing tapes, and then sometimes there's ancillary machinery. Mm-hmm. You know right. what we used to use DA eighty eights or DA ninety eights or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So you got to change those things. Change all those. Document every, It's it's. <laughs> But so would you line that, it, try to line it up to the breaks as far as when those changes would happen? You try or, to. Of course, yeah. But it doesn't always work that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So think about it. You know, in some reels, you, you maybe you have end-to-end 15 minutes Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of, of record time. Right. Well, if you're really just jamming right. recording, which happens quite often. Yeah. That 15-minute end-to-end thing <laughs> runs out quickly. Yeah. So now, well, you don't want to go right to the very end. So, oh, I've got, you right. know, you know, two minutes left on the thing. Change reels. So, we, right. you know, it was all that. And, <laughs> and you're always calculating right. when's the good time to stop mm-hmm. and, ch- you know. I and, imagine the sessions kind of sped up in, in general once, you know, workstations came into play because – you know, on a scoring date, like it's nonstop. You know, as soon as the they raise their arm, you're in record. You know, like never well, ends. There was a couple things that, well, more than a couple, but things things that changed. Mm-hmm. The great thing about the multi, dual multi track or even single multi track, however right. it was, is there were limitations. Mm-hmm. There was track count limitations, yeah. and mm-hmm. and again, there was there was just functionally right. There's a lot to be said for the limitations. Yes, that's because true. 
you had to make choices and decisions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you couldn't get into genius time. Right. (laughs) Now we have workstations, which you almost, you know, it's it's not quite, but almost unlimited track count. Yeah. Definitely. You don't have the time frame limitation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just, it, there's almost too many options. Right. By the way, same, just on a little separate thing, same, the same problem comes in play with uh, digital film editing. Right. So they, even if they shoot on film, mm-hmm. they'll transfer the negative to the workstation. Right. And they never touch it again. Mm-hmm. Now there's an endless number of uh, editorial options they have. Mm-hmm. So what that means is you don't have to make a decision. Yeah. <laughs> and it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I've worked on projects where the ed- editorial decisions were made hurriedly at the last minute. Right. Because what doesn't move is the release date. That's true. Yeah. <clears throat> They'll book a you know, release date for a movie mm-hmm. and it's that's yeah. fixed <laughs> so everything is pushed yep. against the release date <laughs> yep. and so you get to the very end here and now you've got if you if you put all these decisions off to right. here now you're making it the worst time <laughs> right right under, under tremendous pressure. stress yeah exactly so and i've worked yeah. on movies that have suffered because of that. yeah yeah, no, there's so. numerous times I've been on the way to the studio and for a scoring date, and you see the billboard for the movie that you're working on. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh-oh, I guess yeah. we better rush. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly my point. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know it, it's, it's what happens. Yeah. yeah. And but not, you know, by no means is that every picture, no, uh, you know, or every project, right. not at all. But, but there are some where directors just fiddle with you know you know uh, editorial issues mm. constantly right. right absolutely the the real the problem is and and it's interesting you know i've had conversations because so movies obviously used to be released on film yeah and even even on platters you know where they'd have the right. movie would run on platters mm-hmm. on film well, now they're released digitally, mm-hmm. right? So what that means is, and it was, you know, it dawned on me one day, well, you know, the editorial process doesn't really have to ever end. <laughs> if you think about it. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> because it potentially, right. I'm not saying it happens, right. but I'm saying potentially a director could re-edit or continue to edit even after the release date huh. i'm just we'll just send out another set of yeah. of digital <laughs> files that's crazy isn't it i yeah. mean think about it yeah you know it's, i wonder if that's actually happened before i, I it would not surprise <laughs> me if it has yeah. <laughs> i have no you know yeah. honestly of course i have no uh no knowledge of that happening right right but for sure. Think about it. Yeah. Well, I'm sure, like, at least for smaller films, if it goes to a film festival or something, and then 
after that, okay, let's make a few more tweaks before the big release, you know. Especially if they're bought. In other words, yeah. let's say it goes to whatever, Sundance or mm-hmm. Cannes, whatever, you right. know, and those are really marketplaces. Of course. Um, and a, a, um, an entity buys it and says, you know, that's mm-hmm. all great, but, you know, this is one right. section. <laughs> right. Is there a way we could read? Right. Awesome. If so, somebody's got handing you a bag yeah. of money, you're inclined to say, <laughs> yeah, let's look at that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, what do you think is the most underrated skill in the industry today? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, working with people. Yeah. And, and understanding people. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I I feel that you know I found in there's a lot of fear in the studio, yeah, a lot. Hmm. Um, there's fear with musicians. There's fear with composers. There's yeah. fear in the studios. Mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah. Um. Uh, directors. Right. Um. So the first thing I realized is the last thing in the world. I've got a big orchestra. I'm in the studio. The the console's gigantic. Mm -hmm. And you've got people that are scared. Right. Is my movie going to do well? Are people going to understand it? Mm -hmm. Am I going to get killed? Is this the end of my career? Right. Um, And... The last, and then they walk in and they see this console, which is one of the most intimidating things on earth. Right? <laughs> yeah. It just is. Yeah, <laughs> there's just a million buttons and switches and yep. stuff, and they look at it, and it's, now their fear is ratcheted up <laughs> exponentially, right? Because they go, "Oh my God, I'm in this place. I don't, I don't know what any of this stuff is." Right. <laughs> <laughs> if this doesn't work, I'm I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> and then I come in and I make it a point of being very calm, no matter what. Right. If something happens, a machine breaks, a thing, a module, this mm-hmm. problem, calm. Right. Because I understand that they're freaked out. Yeah. Now, if I freak out. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the guy who's working this stuff <laughs> that, they're, that they're scared to death about. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that's that's a, a really a key. And I, I, I've seen it happen where people, yeah. you know, get crazed. Right, right. And it's just not, it's, 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 it's not a good thing. Yeah. Stuff gets fixed. You can work around something. Right. You know, if a module in a console breaks, you can work around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can, it, it, you just can. Right. <laughs> but if everyone gets all stressed out and freaked out, then that's yeah. much harder to fix. Now <laughs> the now the 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 director and the you know, these people yeah. their fear level, like I said, it gets ratcheted right. up exponentially right. and it's unfair to them. Right, for sure. Um you know, and we have you have to have a contingency. You have to ha- have in your mind what am I gonna do if this happens. Mm. What if my Pro Tools system goes down? Mm-hmm. Now what? Right. 
<laughs> I don't want one Pro Tool system. If I got a big project, yeah. I'm not going to have one Pro Tool system. Right. <laughs> We're going to have at least one other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, right. you know, I mean, but experience has taught me that, you know, you have to be prepared for stuff. Mm. And I always feel if, if I'm prepared with things, nothing will happen. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but no law, matter right? what, you can't go nuts. You've yeah. got to be calm. Exactly. And so understanding the level of fear that people have is mm. really important. Because right. it's a, you know, there's a lot of money on online. You know, mm-hmm. if you're, especially in big, big movies, you know, they're, right. they're $300, $400 million yeah. projects. That's a Absolutely. lot of money. Yeah. If it tanks, then a lot of people are yeah. not going to have careers anymore. And, and I under, I get it. Yeah, you're yep, right. Yeah, you know that that studio put their faith in this director. Let's right. say, mm-hmm. well, he or she, if this thing goes into the toilet, mm-hmm. he or she's gonna got a lot to answer for. Yeah, yeah. And I get it. I understand that. So Absolutely. I'm I try to be supportive, relaxed. Mm-hmm. Um, Calm, you know, right. that kind of thing. Right. I think that's way underappreciated. Right. Absolutely. Nice. Um, so speaking of which, you know, as you know, so much of engineering is psychology. Um, how can you assist your clients on a deeper level to connect with them and establish relationships? Well, you know, we, I mean, we're in a relationship business. Right. Honestly, you know, long, long, long ago, a good friend of mine is a mixer, very successful. I said, and this is when I was just, before I even got the job at MGM. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was talking to him. I said, man, how do you, you know, your job is, you know, how do you, how do you work this thing? And he said, hey, look, that's not my job. He said, (laughs) you can teach a monkey how to work this. It's not... (laughs) It's not that right. challenging. It's all the other stuff. It's understanding. And it's interesting you mentioned psychology. I I ended up, as I said, I was pre-med mm-hmm. and knew that wasn't for me. So all I right. just I, I switched my major in college to psychology. Okay. And I learned some really interesting things that I thought I'd never need. Right. <laughs> and it turns out I use them only every day. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> About human behavior and people and mm-hmm. and you know how to how to treat people and right um and so for me one of the great ways to connect with people is through humor yeah you know be and to be relaxed be friendly mm. understand them right hmm. you know don't um I'd rather, I'd rather do a, you know, a, a project with a, with a really, really wonderful person for free right. than, you know, a, a big money-making project with a total schmuck. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm much, um, at this point in my life, um, yeah. that's just. Absolutely. How I feel. No, absolutely. Because, you know, um, quality of life matters. It really mm-hmm. does. Definitely. It really does. 
definitely. Um, is there one film scoring project that really pushed you out of your your comfort zone, and how did you handle it? Um, I mean, I've I've worked on challenging projects, but mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I've always enjoyed the challenging projects right. because I always I always learn something from them. Yeah, and I have enough. I mean, at this point in my, you know, I have enough confidence in my abilities mm -hmm. that I don't think there's anything that's going to be kind of out of my, that that I can't do. Right. Um, I've had difficult projects. Um, uh, I worked on a project, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, with Danny mm -hmm. Elfman, and those were really long hours for five weeks every right. day, Jeez. and that was a that was <laughs> <laughs> that was hard. Right. Um, but also, it was great in many ways. You yeah. know, um, I love working with Danny. He's just a just a consummate great musician. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a good guy, um, smart, yeah, um, and interesting. And his mm -hmm. music's interesting, right? Right. And so, yeah, it's it's challenging, certainly. Mm -hmm. um, but that's part of that's, that's you part know, of if, the gig. if we it, it, think about it, if if you did the same thing day after day after day, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like oh god, <laughs> it gets old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it gets old fast. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the, the the challenges, the great thing are are, is, are the variety, the the. The projects that are different, mm -hmm. that are unique, right? Um, that that yeah, that push you, mm -hmm. that make you think about, oh, how am I going to do that? Right. How am I going to set that room up? That's a that's such an odd, you know, musical configuration. Right. How am I going to do that? Mm. Oh, okay. I get it. I'll, right. I'll do, right. you know, I mean, th just things like that, aspects that that mm. make you try something new, right. try something different. Right. That's what makes, you know, what, for me, what I do interesting, really. Right. Absolutely. Um, is there a common myth about film scoring and engineering that you'd like to debunk? Hmm. Well, you got good questions. Like <laughs> Thanks. Um, yes, glamour. Yeah, there's <laughs> not as much as you might think. <laughs> but, but, okay. what a wonderful way to to make make a living in mm -hmm. in in the world. I mean, it it's just. I've been doing this a long time. Yeah, and. I think I love it as much right now as I ever did. Nice. Um, but there's not a tremendous amount of glamour. How glamorous is it when it's uh, a Saturday night at midnight and mm. you've got to finish a mix <laughs> uh, that has to be delivered first thing in the morning? Right. Um, you're exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you still got an, you, yeah. you know at least another few hours ahead of you. Oh, geez. <laughs> it's it's there's a low level of glamour involved in right, that. Right, right. <laughs> but like I said, what a what a 
nonetheless, what a great way to be making a living. Yeah. Awesome. You know, being being able to be creative. Right. Um, meeting interesting people, working with music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> awesome. It's pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, is there any current or recent projects that you can talk about that you'd like to? Um, well, I just I just uh, work with Danny on 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 his concertos. Okay, he wrote uh, three concertos, one for percussion. Oh, nice. Believe it or not, wow. with, with with strings. Okay, um, which was great. So that that was a lot of those are stereo mixes I did of, okay. of recorded in London, mm. uh, all live. Nice. Uh, so it was it was uh, again challenging, yeah, but a lot of fun, and nice. and again you know Danny's great so, nice. and uh, you know really interesting, uh, kind of mu- musical choices he made right, nice, um, that's cool, and you know who would do a percussion yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so that was that was very cool nice and uh and i've got another client i'm doing actually i've been doing a lot of records lately so oh, really yeah which is which nice. is kind of nice you know we've been a, still coming out of this strike right strikes yeah um currently nice. so and the 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 Work hasn't exactly ramped up again. Right. Well, it's because music is always the last step. So it's like true. You have to true. kind of wait until the ball gets rolling with but the other side. What happened is, and I get this. So the first the first uh, union to go out were the writers. Mm-hmm. So they were out for several months, mm-hmm. and then the actors uh, went on strike. Right. Well, <clears throat> eventually the 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 writers settled. Mm-hmm. But the actors were still out. Uh, okay. So the studios, and again, I understand. I understand all of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I had no dog in the race. Right. Only lose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My dog lost. Okay. <laughs> um, but I understood it all. I yeah. really do. And <clears throat> studios would not initiate even, you know, well, let's... Well, let's uh, let's uh, get scripts right. for whatever shows or mm-hmm. movies or whatever their projects were. They wouldn't do that mm-hmm. until they knew this. The actors were settled out, right? Because they okay. weren't going to, you know, kind of make that investment until right. they knew they could push ahead on their schedule, right? Whatever right. that was. I I understand. Makes sense. Yeah. So what that meant was a six month gap. Mm-hmm. In, in production Jeez. of any kind. So <laughs> here we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, good. So. Um, I like to wrap up each podcast with the same few questions. Um, the first one is, who is your most influential teacher? And it can be a few if you want. Well, <clears throat> I've I've listened to. As you might imagine, tons and tons and tons of music. Mm. Um, one of, one of the, the one of the most influential people uh, 
for me anyway, was a guy named Jack Hunt, who mm-hmm. was um, one of the mixers at MGM. Mm-hmm. And he he befriended me. He was a very difficult personality. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, an incredible mixer. Nice. He just, I mean, this, his sound was, you know, stellar. Nice. And I learned a, tr- a huge amount from him. Hmm. And, um, gosh, who else would I would I say? Probably George Martin. Okay. On the record side, I think George right. Martin is the greatest record producer who's ever lived. My yeah. personal opinion. Yeah. And I and there's a lot I really really respect. Mm-hmm. A lot of young young folks today, hmm. Jack Antonoff, for example, right, and, uh, right. you know Taylor Swift, and 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 a couple other people, you know, who were just right. sonically, I just love their and structurally, musically, you know. Right. Um, but uh, you know that that's yeah. I, I I would say. Um, you know, as far as influence goes, right? Um, nice. You know that that's kind of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where 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 I'm at, but I I I listen to a lot of I listen to a lot of contemporary right. music. Well, because that's, I love to hear the sounds that people right, are creating. Right. Nice. That's actually ties into my next question, which may or may not apply to you, but. It's you know the question is what is your favorite reference track if you have to go to a new studio but I'm I'm finding a lot of my guests don't really use references so much because they work in their own places they go to the same studios they don't need to so much anymore um, in that case what would be something you put on to be inspired you know I I don't it's for me it's not so much a reference track per se mm-hmm. um, but I use a lot of references right. So in in my studio here, I have two primary um, monitor systems. Mm-hmm. I have a big film chain. It's right. a Myers sound system, and I also have PMCs over here mm-hmm. that I use for um, as another reference, but also for like if I'm mixing TV right. or stereo mm-hmm. or um, you know that you know the references that that fit that particular right. those mod and then headphones mm-hmm. i uh odysseys are awesome nice i mean odysseys uh i have lcd3s okay i can mix on those and right. be confident with the product right but headphones you know are different than monitors of course, yeah. but i use them and then i also use i have a pair of bose um, okay. Bluetooth and also uh, uh, AirPod Maxes. Yeah, nice. Okay. For kind of immersive, right, right. Um, the binaural thing. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't really work. No, <laughs> but, but do you use the? I find myself using the the head rotation thing to kind of be able to hear the back speakers a little bit uh, you know it's like i actually have switched it off but maybe now you yeah. mention it i think i'll turn it off you have hear it, it you know, I know like, to me if you have to do that then yeah yeah exactly <laughs> i feel you i mean um but 
you know, I love the technology. I love the new yeah. the new stuff. Atmos is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get, you know, people, most people, most, sorry, most music is consumed on headphones yeah. or earbuds. Yeah. It just is. Exactly. And so, you know, that's kind of, if, if in the, in the, in that delivery realm, mm-hmm. the options are, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know, the <laughs> binaural thing for, right. for Atmos or stereo, yeah. you know, a good stereo mix is still yeah. awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, and Definitely. there's some really, really good ones, and and you know, so I just love listening to to music. I listen to you know on my yeah. radio. I've Sirius XM, and yeah. I listen to yeah. several different stations, and I listen to pop music, right? Because I find that there's so much creativity in it mm-hmm. sonically. Yeah, yeah. The reverbs. I listen to a lot of reverb. I use a ton of reverbs right. in my mixing. Of course. And, you know, like everybody. <laughs> yeah. And I want to hear what other folks are doing. Right. Yeah. Or no reverb. Right. Which is a whole other it's thing. A whole by different the way. can of worms. So yep. <laughs> I don't know. I just I love the the creativity of all that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's just interesting to me, and I I learn. I I learn from it. Nice. I'm still learning. Nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> of course. And I'm, I love you to have to. that opportunity, you know. So. Awesome. Uh, last question. What would be one tidbit for an upcoming engineer? Be nice. <laughs> sounds sounds trite. I know. It's it's valid, though. <laughs> but you know what? It's... the I, I think to this day, the reason that I was lucky and I did well when I was starting out. Mm-hmm. So I was always nice to everybody. Yeah. I went out of my way to be nice. And again, it sounds trivial. Yeah. I can't stress how important it is. Right. Because of people whose knowledge you seek, mm-hmm. um, if you're nice to them, they'll want they'll want to help you. Right. They'll want you around. Yeah. On the Absolutely. other hand, if you know the opposite, eh, yeah, you know what, get lost. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, it's it's. I think I think it's one of the most important aspects. If you're starting out, mm-hmm. be nice. Be nice to the musicians. Right. If they want, you know, if a musician says, you know, uh, uh, can we try a different mic? Yes. Right. <laughs> You know, if you let your ego get in the way, yeah, it ain't gonna work out well. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> because the producer or the artist, they need the musician more than they need you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's just the way it is. Yep. You know? <laughs> it's just the way it exactly. is. Exactly. But I think you know that's, and I say I say that every, you know, students. You know, I've talked to a lot of students and mm-hmm. stuff. Be nice. Right. Nice. (laughs) Cool. Great. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Pleasure, Brandon. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for your interest in my few little tidbits. (laughs) Of course. Of course. (laughs) Thanks for joining in today on Pro Audio Profiles. Make sure to hit subscribe, and I'll see you next week.